Good morning once again. Thanks for joining us to worship God. Thanks so much, John Perez, for helping us understand the cross more powerfully and thoroughly. That was great. And we had a great men's night this week for all the brothers in the church. We met and learned about following Jesus. We had a little bit of competition just to set the stage. We had some push-ups. And just there, there was a winner, but there should also be an asterisk. Um, I didn't participate, so... <laughs> But having said that, we had Tony Palm as the winner of our push-up contest. It was pretty awesome. Talk to the palm. And we, we weren't just about strength. We were also about sophistication. So we had some of the brothers tying a tie, a Windsor, and a double Windsor, and a full Windsor. And, of course, our sophisticated brothers were Mr. John Perez and Alan Nichols winning that competition. That was awesome. It was. And in the words of John Salute, it was a tie. <laughs> was a tie. That, 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 that was a lot of fun. And this week is also a big week for Jake and Janice, as on Thursday we will welcome our new addition to the body, and that's uh, Jeremiah. Is that correct? He's coming Thursday. So that'll be awesome. That will be fantastic. And... I heard from Nick Salamo that many of you may know Reuben, but he was restored to our fellowship over in Brisbane this week, so that's true, right? Very, very cool. Lot, lots of cool stuff, and I think that the Barnes and the Wilsons both have power again, too, right? Is that, that's very exciting. You know, because it, it, that reminds me of something that happened in the U.S. one time when, when there was a power outage. It was in the 90s, and it happened in California. And 911 is the emergency number there. 111, I think it is here. But when, when the power went out, they called 911 because they saw strange clouds hovering above the sky. But it was the first time they actually saw the Milky Way. God bless New Zealand. You know, we see that kind of stuff all the time. So hopefully your power is back on. And this morning we're finishing the book of Galatians. So turn, turn with me to chapter 6. And we'll finish out the book of Galatians. And then we'll transition to the book of Acts starting next week, which will be awesome. And as a new thing, we, we want to start trying. We'll, we have some videos coming our way for, for the membership to learn about our, our members. But one of the things, if you've learned something from the book of Galatians and you'd like to share that with our membership, please see me. We'll take a brief video, and at some point that'll go out to our membership. So if, if you've learned something that's really inspired you or convicted you or prompted you to action in some way, shape, or form, let me know. We'll video that and send that out to our congregation. That'll be awesome, right? Galatians chapter 6. Now, when I was growing up, there was a definite boundary to our neighborhood. So in, in my thinking, community was my neighborhood. I, I knew the limits. I knew what street where my neighborhood ended. So if I rode my bike to my friend's house, there was a certain limit I could go to. And our neighborhood was in the shape of a block. And so I knew all the ins and outs of it. And that was my community. Because in some sense, we do define community by who's 
close to us or who we connect with or who we contact most often. And for friends that lived in a further neighborhood, there was something called a landline telephone that we had to use and had the, the rotary dial so and had the long cord attached to the telephone to the wall. And you'd, have to, you'd have to actually remember the person's phone number and you'd have to call them. And so that was the way if someone lived outside of your boundaries, you'd connect or you'd contact with them. Now, as the world has changed and is ever changing, also the way we describe community changes and is constantly changing. You know, one of the interesting facts is it took 75 years for people that owned a phone for the amount of users to reach 50 million. So in other words, from the time someone first owned a telephone until 50 million people owned a telephone, 75 years. That's a long time. In huge contrast, for Facebook to reach 50 million users, three and a half years. That's crazy. So, and I don't think I look like Mark Zuckerberg, John, but maybe I do. Some people may think that, but we see that our, our society is changing rapidly. And as a result, people are talking about what actually is community. Because previously it was defined by my limits, my boundary, but now I can contact somebody on the other side of the planet at the, at the touch of a button. And so are we in community? Are we not in community? What exactly is community? And so it does present a challenge, and it also presents a, an opportunity for those of us that understand community. Now, the Bible, thankfully, has eternal principles about community. And so whether you lived 75 years ago when you were the first owner of a phone, or now you can connect to 50 billion or million or however many people you want to connect to, the Bible says here is what community actually is. Because it'll shift depending on which culture you're from, or how you grew up, or when you grew up, and that kind of thing. But the Bible has eternal principles about that. And so if, if we're inspired by the scriptures, the scriptures call us to three things this morning about community. A community of disciples does good to all. A community of disciples does good to all. Secondly, a community of disciples carries each other's burdens. And thirdly, they carry their own load. So, so a community, according to the Bible, is not limited to this. But this morning, we look at these three things. That a community of disciples does good to all, carries each other's burdens, and carries their own load. Let's pray and read Galatians chapter 6 and discuss these three things. Father, we are grateful for all the good news that's going on and everything that's happening. We pray you continue to bless our lives and, and increase our faith. We pray that we can really see deep, deep into the message of the cross to allow it to inspire us and challenge us and call us higher. We pray as we read your words this morning that it, it quickens our minds and calls us to action to really engage in biblical community, not only here in Auckland, but for us to, to spread this to everyone. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. 
Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And then he concludes with some final Exhortations In verse 11, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. And I, I have a large print Bible, so this is what it looked like. You could probably read it from here. This Paul writing these big letters, and I appreciate that. Verse 12, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. If they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. The people that Paul's talking about, they just wanted to boast about how their church was growing and what they were doing. It's all humanistic in their effort. In verse 14, Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. And so, good Galatians and concludes with Paul giving some practical instruction after he's given some pretty meaty and theological deep insight into God's grace and his mercy. He starts out probably Galatians 1, 2, and 3. That's all principles from God's word. And then chapter 4, 5, and 6, that's all a bit more practical, which is a very sound way to teach. By the way, you don't, always, you don't start with what they should do. You start with the why. And that's what Paul does in Galatians 1 through 3. And, so, and, and what he's saying basically is if a community of people have the spirit inside of them, here's what it should look like. They should be doing good to everybody. They should be carrying each other's burdens. They should be carrying their own load. And so a community animated by the Holy Spirit is really concerned about each other. They're looking to help each other, but they're also carrying their own load, and they're looking to the greater good of all people and how to do those things. Point number one, a community does good to all. That's, that's what this passage says in verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, and that word is, is, is any special moment, there, there's always that kind of opportunity, right? As we have opportunity, let us do good to a few people whom we really like. Or to a few people that we select in our circle or whatever. No, to all people. And this, this is a big, big deal. We, we probably say amen to that, right? We need to be focused on all people. But the reality is, you and me gravitate towards certain people. Yeah. Not all people. If you look at the statistics in the Auckland region, it's out there on the government website. They show where certain ethnicities gravitate towards. And you've probably seen this with your own eyes. In Papakura and Manukau, it's highlighted there's more Maori there. 
in the North Shore, Waitakere, and some parts of Auckland, there's more Asian. There's more Pacific Islander in Manukau and Southern Auckland. And I, one of my friends even told me when they moved here, someone from their company said, move to this area because that's where people like you will be. Yeah. Right? That's like, okay, thanks a lot for that advice. And so you've probably seen this as you've driven through different suburbs, etc., whatnot, right? So it's not like a big enlightenment or aha, uh -huh, because that, that's just how we are. We gravitate towards people like us. And, and that's not necessarily bad, but it points to we have a limit and, uh, of people that we're willing to associate with or to connect with, or engage with. And if you think about it, that's kind of the whole entire discussion about refugees. Who are we letting into our country, and how many will we let in? I mean, this, this is a big discussion worldwide. And so, the, the, the Bible says, if you're animated by God's Holy Spirit, you're doing good to all people. All people. All people. That's inspiring, but that's also very challenging. That's radical. That's against our culture. Yeah. It's against it. We have limits. We have exceptions and we have barriers. If you're animated by God's spirit, there's no limits, exceptions, or barriers. You do good to all people. That's radically different. And that's what Paul's letting this church know. In Acts 2, when the church first starts, in the book of Acts... It describes the fellowship like this in verse 47. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the disciples who were really fired up. And they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the emphasis is on the word all. It's the same word we find in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. The portrait of the New Testament church was a community that came together. They ate together. They prayed together. They took communion together. But they enjoyed the favor of everybody. Everybody. Everyone. And at the end of that passage, it says the Lord added daily to those who were being saved. So a community that was tight and, and they took care of each other, but they did good to all people resulted in the church growing. And so a community of believers looks for doing good to all people, not just certain people. What does that mean? That means when someone cuts you off in traffic, do good to all people. <laughs> That's what that means, though. Do good all when someone cuts you off in a supermarket queue and you know you've been standing there before they were. Do good to all people. Right? When those on Queen Street look at you and say, can I get some help? Do good to all people. When your schoolmates say, you're not my friend anymore and then next week you're their friend and next week you're not my friend again now. Do good to all people. It's challenging. When friends betray you, do good to all people. Parents, we have to teach our kids to engage with all people. To be warm and interactive with all people. I love what the children's ministry is doing this month with their family devos. And this is a plug for the children's ministry, but it's also a challenge to the fathers to read that news article that comes out and do the family devo word by word, script by script. That's what I do with my family. I just pull up that newsletter, I read it, and it works. Well, one of the things they taught is teach our children to be warm with everybody. 
When people come to the door, we did a Devo, we practiced Luke coming to the door. And he just was fired up to greet everyone. But we wanted to teach him, this is not friendly, and this is friendly. But all he did was friendly. I love you! I love everybody! And like, that, that's, that's the kind of thing we're looking for. But, but to do that to all, we have to pass it down to our children as well. We have to teach our children to engage with all people. I want to publicly lift up Richard and Ann because yesterday we were at their house. And if you didn't know, recently in March was Neighbor's Day for Aotearoa. And, or Aotearoa Neighbor's Day. Something like that. It happens every year. This is true. It happens every year. And what you can do is you can talk to the, the board that provides it. You can get info and flyers and etc. And then you basically just tell everybody in your neighborhood, come to my house. We're neighbors. Let's have some food. Let's hang out. That's kind of the long and short of it. It happens every year. And so they, they did that. They said, we're going to do this. We're going to invite our neighbors. We're going to put out flyers. We're going to make some food from Chop Chop. Thank you, Chop Chop. We got Chop Chop. We got Ding Ding. We got everything going on. We do. We do got it going on. We need something South African. I don't know what it would be, but what would it be, Alberto? Okay, we're still working on it. Still working on it. But they, they said, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna invite people. We went to their house, and, and it was a team effort because they invited Aaron McDonald from their Baba Talk, and Stephanie came over, and Megan and I came over later, and, and it was awesome. I was so inspired, but I was also very convicted. Because they, I don't know how many flyers they put out, 150, something like that. Six families came. It was awesome. We played bingo, the people bingo. We were eating sausages and from Chop Chop. It was awesome. And I thought, man, that's doing good to all people. Just, I'm going to just liberally ask everybody in my neighborhood to come over for a sausage sizzle. And that was awesome. It was, again, it was, it was inspiring, but it was very convicting. Because I've been in my neighborhood for a month, and I haven't even thought of something like that yet. And not that that's what we have to do, but if, it, if whatever, the, these thoughts are too overwhelming for you, simply begin this week by interacting with other people. That's the starting point, right? Just interacting. You don't have to give a big theological discussion. Just start interacting with all people. God is not partial, therefore we cannot be partial. We need to do good to all men. Secondly, you've got to carry each other's burdens. So if a community of believers has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, there's a mutual responsibility for me to find your burden and you to find mine. Now the context is verse 1 where he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit or spiritual or discerning should restore that person gently. That word caught is, is interesting because it, it describes someone who's been kind of surprised or over taken by sin, which is a big difference from someone who's had kind of a premeditated, thought out, calculated, ongoing sin. There's a difference, right? Young Christians, or sometimes in our lives, we get, we're caught off guard and we end up falling into sin, but other times there's very deliberate, intentional sin, and that's handled another way. But in this case, if someone, if someone happens to be overtaken or surprised, this, this verse says, spiritual people, we, we restore them gently. So when we see this happen, it's not like uh, we just stand idly by and say, they'll probably sort it out. Or we don't say, I knew that would have happened to them. Good thing I'm not like them. 
Instead, we engage and we say, let's, let's figure out. Restore is the same word. It's used in a medical sense when you help someone heal a broken bone. It's used in a sense when the fishermen, in Mark chapter 1, they're mending their nets. They put it back together. It's helping someone come back and be restored holistically. But it's done gently. And, and it's not limited to this situation. because, And then he'll go on and say in verse 2, carry each other's burdens. So there is an instance where you help someone who's fallen into a sin and you gently restore them. But the principle is, overall, we should carry each other's burdens. In verse 2, that word is, is translated burden. It's, it's an oppressive weight. It's too troublesome for you to carry. And you can't carry it for a long distance. Now, you you know the Bible says, cast all your cares on Jesus, right? Because He cares for you. And so there is a sense where Jesus is the only one that sorts it out in the end. But we also are responsible to carry each other's burdens in the fellowship. The human body is amazing. When, When you have an injury to your body, the rest of it compensates to make up for that injury. Now, this is Jody Walker after his knee surgery, okay? I know he's in New Way right now and having a good time. Faith's headed over there soon. But I was talking to Jody about his knee surgery, and he said it was amazing how much he realized his body had compensated for his knee that was messed up. And he said when he got the replacement, he actually had to learn to walk more properly. Because his body had compensated because his knee was hurting, and, and it kind of figured a way out. To keep walking, but after the surgery, he figured out, oh man, I was actually in a bad spot. And now he's doing yoga and karate and flying a new way and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you think, man, this is, this, is, this is what the body does when each other is hurting. It compensates. And it looks for people that have heavy burdens And say, bro, sis, I I know you can't carry this on your own. Let the body help you until you can figure out how to get yourself sorted. Let's carry each other's burdens. You don't look idly. You don't judge. You carry each other's burdens. And and it's a fascinating, that's Jody after these surgery, but there's a fascinating passage in 2 Corinthians 2 where Paul says he's discouraged and he's overwhelmed and lots of things are happening and he's praying for comfort. And but it's not necessarily just the prayer that brought him comfort. In verse 5 and 6, it says, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus, a person in the flesh and blood to help Paul carry his burdens. So there's the interest, you know, I pray that God would help, and in comes Titus. This is how we carry each other's burden. You know, we do pray, but it's this human relationship that helps each other with their burdens. Now, this, this, this looks very practical in our fellowship as well, because this passage states, we all have them, it's a reality. Carry each other's burdens. There's not like a parenthetical citation that says, except for those who are physical, spiritual specimens and don't have any burdens. It just says, carry each other's burdens. So the reality is, you have them, I have them, we have them. We all have these burdens. So there's a responsibility that the body comes together and starts working with each other to carry these burdens. It also means there should be no one that's self-sufficient. And I've heard this phrase, I've probably used it, you've heard this phrase, and you've probably used it, where you say, I just don't want to burden anybody with 
So in other words, what you're telling me is, hey, bro, I just don't want you to live out this passage right here. <laughs> I, just, I just despise the fact that you're going to... No, it's like, I, we, I, we understand what people mean by that. But that's what we're called to do. Okay, I'm glad you have a burden. Help, let me help you carry that burden. I'm glad I have a burden. So you can help me carry my burden as well. And it also means that we need some face-to-face interaction. Again, I love the way technology is changing and bringing people together and connecting and all of that. But it's not like sitting in front of somebody that's been caught in sin and seeing them weep, seeing them grieve. That's, that's, that's a whole different ballgame. When you're looking in someone's face... You're looking in someone's eyes, you're feeling their pain, you're feeling their grief, and you, and you begin to carry it, and you help them. That's what this passage is talking about. It's not, let me send you a WhatsApp or an Instagram or a Facebook message. But, but those are all fine, by the way. But carrying each other's burdens is like this human interaction. That Paul is talking about. I don't know what it is for you, but maybe some, as in this text, it's the burden of temptations and consequences where you lapse morally. Maybe you've, you have a hard time, but hey, we're called to come together and help that brother or help that sister in those moments. Maybe it's something physical. We're, help, we're called to help you in that. Maybe it's something intellectual or mental or family crisis or employment or whatever. There's a host of burdens, aren't there? Yeah. There is a host of burdens. We are not short of them. And no Christian is exempt from burdens. But a community, Paul is telling this, this group here, hey, a community animated by the Spirit is not selfish. They help each other. They help each other. And that's what we do. We carry each other's burdens. Thirdly, we carry our own load. We carry our own load. That's what Paul says here. A community that, that really gets it, it really understands what it means to love one another, also carries their own load. That means we all have a personal responsibility. So, in this passage, Paul, Paul uses, in verse 2, he says, carry each other's burdens. But in verse 5, he says, for each one should carry their own load. So, that's not a discrepancy. He's using two different words. Burden, here, is the oppressive, troublesome weight that cannot be carried for a long distance. And we help each other, and we carry those. A load, what he uses in verse 5, is used in, in lots of ancient literature about a, a backpack of a soldier or a pilgrim, which they are able to carry for long distances. So the, the point of that is, is every one of us is responsible for something in our own spiritual life, okay? You know, and, and it's something we can actually handle. It's a load. On, on Judgment Day, I can't switch backpacks or say, hey, look, take mine really quick. I have to carry my own load. You have to carry your own load as well. No one can stand in our place. And so what does this mean, carrying your own load? Well, in the context, in verse 3 and 4, it means something like, if you're trying to help somebody... You're the person that's spiritual, trying to restore someone that's fallen. Verse 3 says, if anyone thinks they're something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride of themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Now, it's incredibly hard to practice that principle. 
If you've ever tried to help someone that's in a crisis or not doing well spiritually, at some point, it may not be vocalized, but at some point, at least this is for me, and I assume it's true for most of us, I think, man, how did they get in that spot? Man, I'm a tiny bit better because I'm not in that spot. I'm a bit more spiritual. Surely I've exercised the disciplines correctly. Surely I've walked the right path. Something like that. That's what this is saying. Because when you start to engage deep, deeply and you start to carry each other's burdens and you start to help each other, Paul says, watch out because you're going to think you're something. And at the moment you think you're something, you're flat nothing. You deceive yourself. You can't take pride in yourself because this you got to carry your own load too. And in the context of, of restoring someone, verse 1 says, but watch out or you may be tempted. Watch out when you help someone. You, know, you could be tempted to engage in whatever they're doing or you could be tempted again to, to look down on them. And say, if you had only done this or if you had only listened to this. Well, you may not say those things, but it, it can be in our heart. And that's why Paul says we got to test ourselves. Test our actions. Now, that doesn't mean we get all introspective in verse 4. We should test our actions. There's a difference between being introspective and testing your actions. Test is the Greek word dokimos, which means you compare it to some standard to make sure it's legitimate. So when I'm testing myself, I'm not, just, I'm not just having a think internally and saying, what am I thinking? What are my emotions? What's going on? Let me examine the process. That's, let me think about what's going on and let me compare it to the standard of the Bible. And am I living up to that? Not just having a navel gaze and becoming self-focused, but it's testing. Am, 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 I, am I doing what I'm telling other people to do? Am I doing that? That's what Paul says. We, we should all be doing that. There should, there should be some examination to the Word of God when we engage with each other because we're going to be tempted to think too highly of ourselves or not enough of ourselves or whatever. And Paul says we cannot do that. In verse 9, it also says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And, and what had happened here is the, the Galatian church had started to get, they started to shift a little bit. And some started to get too legalistic and some started to get too free. But it all became a major focus on self. And, and they started to relax the standards and they weren't helping other people. And Paul says, you can't give up. You got to keep going because there is a proper time. There's a moment where the harvest comes. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you know that temptation to relax the standard, to lower the standard, to get numb to sin, to get numb to other people, to get numb to the mission. You know the temptation. Paul says, let us not become weary, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. And, and Paul feared that this church started strong, but was starting to relax. And, I, and he wanted to challenge them to, to keep doing good. This is what it looks like when you carry your own pad. Now the weight of a burden is excessive and troublesome. And you cannot carry it far. But the load, when you're carrying your own load, 
No worries. You like that's magic. <laughs> Drop the mic. So, if you've ever done any kind of backpacking, or there are standards in, in the military as well, where they say you, your weight, your pack shouldn't exceed a certain weight, because for every kilo or whatever, it slows you down, and all these kind of variables go into it. So they figure out this is the maximum amount of weight you can carry on your load, and you shouldn't exceed that. And so there, there is a spiritual principle there too. We, we all should be able to, I can read my Bible, I can pray, I can give. You know, we all have some kind of a load that, that we, should able, we should be able to be doing personally. And, and that's what he's saying. And we should be able to carry that long distances. We should be able to pull our own weight. We don't just expect other people to do everything for us, but we have a responsibility on our own. I think it re- requires a lot of self-examination too. And, and again, for, for someone that's carrying their own load, there's this constant revision process of, ah, let, let me make sure I'm testing myself instead of this person is, in a, is a mess and I'm not a mess and this person has done this and I'm so much better, whatever. Because what happens is, just like in society, there's a widening of the gap. You see this in finances and in intellects where there's, there's suddenly a, a small group of people that have all the money and they look down on all the people that don't have the money. And the gap widens, you know, and, but, but they're, not carrying, they're, they're not carrying their own load either. They're, they're just trying to look down on other people. And Paul said, we've we got to carry our own load. We have to be accountable with each other, but without judging one another. That's quite, a, that's quite a challenge, to have accountability without judgment. Not condemning, but learning to carry our own load. As, as the book of Galatians ends, it, it, is, it is a community that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. But at some point, some opponents had come in and taken them off course and pointed them in another direction. And Paul comes in to... To gather his flock and say, look guys, it's not about human effort. It's about God's grace and it's about God's mercy. It's not about exercising your freedom to do whatever you want. And as he concludes chapter 5 and 6, he really calls the church in Galatia and he calls us as well to this standard. If we are animated by God's Holy Spirit, it's proven in our relationships with one another. That's how we use our freedom. If we are a community of people inspired by God's Holy Spirit, we do good to everyone. All people, not just a select, limited few. If we're animated by the Spirit, each of us has broad shoulders where we can learn to carry each other's burden. And we look to help each other. And we allow each other to carry our burdens. And if we're a community animated by the Spirit, we're responsible for carrying our own load. Now in the end... Jesus is the supreme example of all of this. Because he's the only one that fully and willingly and completely carried the load and burden of humanity. When he goes to the cross, he carries the entire weight of humanity, which is too much for us to bear, and hopes that we can follow him and do good to all men as well. Amen. Amen.